0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Hello, Greenhorns. Happy Thursday. It is Greenhorns Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I am happy to be coming to you live from the 101 North near Healdsburg, California. Um, the green is emerging from below the brown dryness of the California Northern California region, and I am happy to be joined uh, on, on this episode by Sandor Katz, who's coming to us from Tennessee. Hey, Sandor, are you on the line?
2: I sure am. Hey, Severin.
1: Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice.
2: It's so great to hear your voice, too.
1: Well, now, what's,
2: what's the weather And you're in Healdsburg. Now? I love Healdsburg. The most impressive good. kefir grains I've ever seen were in Healdsburg.
1: Oh, and there's so much fermentation going on. it was a late uh, a late and somewhat stressful harvest for all the winemakers up here' because it was a slow summer with a kind of a weird entail. but um tell me how's the weather down there?
2: Um, well, it's actually, today it is, uh, it is drizzly, and we desperately, desperately needed the rain. So, uh, so everybody here is thrilled. Um, but it's definitely autumn. The leaves are mostly off of the trees. We've had some really cold nights. Um, you know, all the summer crops are over. Um, beautiful, beautiful fall gardens in this, uh, in this climate. Um, but we're just all really relieved to have some rain.
1: So now most of our listeners will hopefully be familiar with Sandor, who is um you know really one of the Elvis Presley's of the fermentation movement <laughs> um, but will you mind giving a little backstory on on what you've been up to and 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 why you've been doing it
2: well sure um so uh so anyway, I, I I have a book which is called Wild Fermentation, and I have a website of this with the same name, which is wildfermentation.com. Um, and I have really been on a, uh, a, a mission of fermentation education, um, you know, trying to, uh, help, uh, demystify fermentation and encourage people to, uh, you know, reclaim this, uh, you know, this very important art that, you know, essentially is an aspect of agriculture. Um, and, and actually, I mean, i the last few days, I did something very exciting, which is, um, on Saturday, I did a workshop at, uh, Uh, one of Tennessee's most established organic farms. It's a biodynamic farm uh, called Long Hungry Creek Farm uh, with a farmer named Jeff Poppin who calls himself the Barefoot Farmer, Um, and uh, he grows radishes, uh, daikon radishes, as a cover crop. Um, and essentially, um, you know, in exchange for doing a workshop, I was able to um, fill up a pickup truck with radishes. Um, and uh, with helps from some friends, uh, we um, sliced and chopped and grated all those radishes and some cabbages and some peppers and some garlic um, and turned that into uh, 70 gallons of uh, radish krautchi. Um so that's all very exciting um and that's really how i that's how I got interested in fermentation in the first place was um uh, when I first moved down here to Tennessee and got involved in having a garden, um, you know I was faced with the you know classic um, you know, problem of abundance that um, uh, people who farm and garden everywhere uh, are faced with. That You know, crops tend to be ready at a specific moment of the year, and whether that's radishes or cabbages or whatever, um, you know, that's when you have to get creative. Um, and, um, you know, historically, fermentation has been a very um, important aspect of how people preserved um, uh, the abundance that appears at certain Certain moments of the year to sustain them through the rest of the year. Um, So I get very excited every year at this time of of, of year when I can put up uh, large amounts of sauerkraut. I make sauerkraut all year around, um, but in the summertime, uh, you know, it's more of a short-term process that's about creating something that is delicious to eat uh, and very nutritious, but it's, you know, not particularly a food that preserves for a long time in the summertime. But when you make it as the temperatures are cooling, um I mean it's really an important uh, strategy that's enabled people in temperate regions to have uh, uh, the vitamins that are found only in fresh vegetables all year round
1: so obviously the vitamins and the fresh um, the fresh crackle of squeaky cabbage between your teeth is a, a year long joy um, but it's also of one of those things that people who are not themselves farming um, can, can do in order to connect with um, and support those who are farming because, frankly, a lot of times farmers are so busy um, at that time of year uh, or exhausted from having just done this whole friggin' long season that it's not a moment where you just are compelled to, all by yourself and alone in the kitchen, toil over any project. So... Um, this uh, this importance of community is obviously something that you thought a lot about. Maybe you could share some of the um, businesses and community experiences that you know about.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I would say that, you know, I, I mean, every aspect of, um, you know, producing food uh, is better to do with other people. Um, and, and it's all community building. I mean, you know, this, uh, you know, this idealized notion that we have, um, of self sufficiency, um, of, you know, sort of, you know, the family that grows all of their own food and, and, um, you know, takes care of themselves. Um, that's, that, that, that's really, um, that's really a myth, um, you know, uh, um, you know, nobody can grow all of the food that they eat or or let me say it differently. You probably wouldn 't want to you 'd have a pretty limited diet so um, so that 's why it 's great to have um, you know a network of neighbors and friends and food producers um, who can, uh, you know, exchange the different things that they grow. Not everybody has to grow everything. Um, you know, people can specialize, and specialization doesn't have to be monocultures that are hundreds of acres of a single thing. Um, you know, it's uh, it's basically, um, uh, you know, creating a, a like a division of labor that makes that makes life manageable. Um and so, you know, the context in which I've um you know developed my uh my, my 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 interest and my skill at fermenting food is living in a community um uh in Tennessee where um you know not only was I gardening collaboratively with people and um you know preparing food on a daily basis collaboratively uh, uh with people. Um, but, um, you know, we're sharing resources in, uh, in all sorts of different ways. And that's within, uh, you know, an intentional community of people living together, um, you know, on a piece of land and, um... Uh, and basically sharing a kitchen together. But then it also exists, you know, for me on a much larger scale where, you know, I live, um, you know, I I live in a rural area and, uh, you know, through the years I've gotten to be friends with lots of my neighbors. And so, you know, I get a phone call from someone saying like, oh my God, we have so many pears this year. We can't use them all. Would you come over and harvest some pears? Um, You know, or, you know, the blackberries are really pumping out. Um, You know, there's more than we can harvest. So, you know, there's a whole network of, uh, you know, neighbors and friends who, uh, you know, support each other's, um, you know, food production um, uh, uh, efforts and beyond the actual growing of the food, you know, one of the reasons they call me is because they know that I like to make wine and mead and, you um, and different kinds of uh, fermented delicacies, <clears throat> and um, and you know I always have ideas for um, uh, you know what to do with any food that there's uh, that there's a lot of. Um but I think that um you know fermentation is definitely a way that, you know, for people who aren't growing their own food, it's a way to become intimately connected with some of the life forces uh that, that go into uh creating food. Uh fermentation uh for those who don't know much about it is the Transformative action of microorganisms um, um, that we harness to create foods and beverages that people uh, uh, like to eat, and you know, preservation is certainly one of the important reasons why why uh, people ferment food. But people also ferment food to uh, uh, to make foods more digestible um, uh, and to enhance the flavors of foods. And, uh, you know, I would encourage, uh, listeners to, uh, take a walk through any gourmet food store and start thinking about the, uh, the nature of foods that we consider to be gourmet foods. And almost all of them are the products of fermentation. They're created by the transformative action of microorganisms. And, um, part of how i got interested in fermentation education was uh realizing that uh there's a, a huge um um, there's a huge fear in our culture of aging food outside of refrigeration. And, you know, I, I love my refrigerator, my fermentation-slowing device. It makes my life a lot easier. I'm not advocating that everybody has to throw away their refrigerators. Um, uh, uh, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, recognizing that these, um, you know, th- that these foods, um, you know, are important and that they are not rocket science. You don't need to have a degree in microbiology. You don't need to have a laboratory. Uh, you don't need to have a microscope. You don't need to be able to absolutely control, um, you know, the temperature and conditions in your kitchen. You know, these are all ancient rituals that our ancestors have been doing forever. And uh, you know, just like uh, growing food, just like saving seeds. It's really important that we hold on to, um, you know, the, the legacy of this knowledge um, that our clever ancestors uh, figured out.
1: Now, our clever ancestors um, figured out a lot of things, and, and we, as, um, as their clever progeny, um, are many of us really deeply moved by our involvement in the barter economy and Um, how much abundance that brings to our lives and how much joyful sharing there is, um, particularly within the young farming community. It's almost second nature. um, But I think it's important to hear from you, Sandor, um, who travel around all over the country giving workshops and sharing stories and knowledge about the fermentation that's bubbling up um, everywhere, um, to also share some of the business um, opportunities that are that are there that help um, young farmer businesses, particularly, um, add value to the agricultural commodities that they're growing, um, and make opportunities for non-farmers to um, latch into that farm-based economy and, and you know just uh, grow more grow more business um, from that food.
2: Yeah, well I think that you 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 use the key phrase which is that you know fermentation adds value to the products of agriculture. So, you know anybody who can, you know take their uh grapes and turn them into wine have made them much more valuable. And anybody who can take some milk and turn it into cheese is transforming a raw product of agriculture into something far more valuable. And that is... Um no less true for uh for cabbages or uh or or any other food. So so yeah, I mean I mean people I mean it's great to encourage people to eat uh you know fruits and vegetables that they buy in their raw state, but a lot of the things that people eat um, you know are foods that have been processed in some way and you know really most of the traditional styles of food processing involve fermentation, um, you know, and so, uh, you know, in the realm of, uh, you know, making cheese, uh, making alcoholic beverages, making sauerkraut, kimchi, and, uh, and, and, and pickles, um, uh, you know, these are, um, you know, all Opportunities for us to reclaim our food and, um, and rebuild our, uh, you know, regional and local economies. So, yeah, you don't have to be the farmer. Um, there are opportunities for, um, you know for for people who are connected to farmers to um, uh start small businesses making some of these fermented foods i mean there's no you know there's no reason for um, uh you know people who are living in virginia to be buying sauerkraut that's uh you know shipped to virginia from um, from california and um, you know in, in 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 many places the only um uh um, Um, you know, to the extent that these foods are available, they're available shipped from far away. And so, you know, this is the next step of relocalizing agriculture. It's not just, um, um, you know, creating uh, uh, more farms, which is absolutely essential. It's not only creating, um, you know, more farmers markets and other kinds of creative venues for direct marketing, um, you know, of the, 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 the things that farms grow, but it's also, um, you know, creating, um, you know, smaller scale enterprises to do these transformational value-added products, whether they are um, you know, making wines or making sauerkraut or or, or, or making cheese. Um, you know, it doesn't only have to be the farmers who do this adding of value. It can be the farmers. It can be part of the, you know, the farm enterprise, the farm organism. But uh, there are also lots of opportunities, um, you know, for people to uh, to find their niche. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, sustainable uh, food is not a spectator sport. It really demands the involvement of more people. And it's not that everybody has to quit their job and become a farmer. But, um, you know, there are ways that all of us can find uh, food production niches. And I'm not necessarily talking about commercial food production. I'm talking about the barter economy that you just mentioned. Um, So, you know, I think, you know, find experimenting a little bit with fermentation, you know, finding something that you like to make and making a big batch of it once or twice a year you know, that positions you to be part of the barter economy and to provide, um, you know, a food or beverage that people really enjoy um, and have something to uh, uh, exchange with, um, you know, people who are finding other niches for themselves.
1: Well, and, and it's funny, um, in, that, in that whole debate about, well, should I quit my job and, and become a farmer, or should I turn the page and really commit, um, you know my career to to agriculture. This is a um, a place in life I meet a lot of people who are right there making those decisions. And and often what they find is that there's a kind of a halfway point where you're um, where you have you know a certain amount of off farm income um, in the in the beginning phases of of starting an agricultural enterprise. Um, and I just want I think having Sandor. Um, having you reflect a little about, you know, what does it mean when more of us are employed um, either partially or completely um, in the production of food from local places and as opposed to um, working for, um, you know, various, various other people or slash the man. What's the implication of that for, um, for our economy and our society?
2: Well, I mean I, I mean I would say that um, you know the, the 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 revival of local and regional agriculture you know is um, you know the you know perhaps the only you know form of true economic stimulus. I mean, you know, uh, agriculture is the foundation of um, you know economic security um, and uh you know what's interesting in the uh um you know crash of the markets that preceded this whole uh, recession is that you know uh, our our productive capacity um you know our ability as um you know as a nation as communities as a world to feed ourselves has not changed at all. It was just, a, you know, it was just a crashing of the markets of all these, you know, sort of uh, uh, abstracted um, uh, commodities. But it did, you know, it did absolutely nothing to, you know, shift the productive capacity one way or the other. Um, and you know, it's that it's it's in that productive capacity that um, true, uh, you know, economic security and uh, and economic uh, stimulus exists. So, I mean, I certainly understand that in the case of, you know, of any individual, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to leave, um, you know, some of the, um, you know, perks and uh, uh, seeming security of, uh, you know, having a regular salary and, uh, uh, and some kind of... A, um, uh, regular job, um, but I would say in the you know in the bigger scheme of things, and and, and especially trying to you know re envision a different kind of um, e- economy, um, you know it's it's absolutely essential that uh, that, that that more people. Get, uh, uh, you know, directly involved in, um, expanding our productive capacity and, um, you know, expanding the food choices that exist with any, um, you know, local or regional um area and I, I and i keep on uh, you know i keep every time i say local i try to remember to say regional because you know i don't think that you know sort of all food has to come within uh, you know 10 miles or even 50 miles i mean i think you know it's uh, um, you know it's uh, we're 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 a world full of little microclimates and um, you know figuring out how to um um, engage with people uh, who live in other microclimates. You know, within uh, within a day's drive, really really makes sense. Um, you know, we don't we don't need to sort of make the jump from um, you know a, a a globalized infrastructure to meeting all of our needs within fifty miles. There's there's lots of intermediate steps in that. Well, and I
1: think those intermediate steps are um, the logistics um, and and the processes and the relationships, and the, um, well, that's that's our life that we have to spend doing that work, and I think it's going to be very interesting. So um, I'd, say, I'd say if you like wine, it's nice to know that um, getting involved more closely in the production of uh, wine or pickles or sauerkraut or cheese, that all of that is, in fact, a part of the great reclaiming um, of... of um, of democracy, also, and of um, true accountability to place. So, obviously, um, this is all very big talk, but but it's nice where it's all kind of contained within something that's also very delicious.
2: <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, and I want to just really encourage everybody, like, you know, whether, you know, you know, you don't have to be thinking about it as a way of, of earning your living. It's a really like you know magical, wonderful realm in which to just experiment, um, you know, just for fun or just because you have some extra vegetables and you need to think of something to do with them. Um, uh, and, um, you know, it just, it just opens up this whole uh, powerful, invisible world. And, uh, you know, the fact is that there's inevitability to fermentation. The transformative action of microorganisms will always... Um, um um, you know, do their work on our food. It's just a question of are they going to, you know, turn it into something that we're going to call spoiled and throw into the compost, or is it going to turn it into something, uh, uh, you know, that we perceive as especially delicious? And so, you know, really what what the fermentation arts amount to are simple manipulations of environmental conditions to encourage the growth of, um, you know, the kinds of organisms that are going to make our food even more delicious and enhance it rather than those kinds of organisms that are going to um, you know, turn it into something that we want to discard into the compost. Um, but everybody can do it, and I really encourage everybody to give it a try.
1: So everybody can do it. Everybody should do it. Everybody who does it will find themselves inextricably drawn further and further into the um, real-world economy of food and farming. And, uh, and if they want to get started on this path, and/or how do they do it? Where are your, where are your workshops?
2: Um, well, first of all, I'd say check, check out my website, and that's where that's where I post uh, um, uh, my workshops. I do I, I, I teach a lot of workshops uh, at a kitchen that I've set up near where I live here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, I do a fair amount of uh, traveling and teach workshops in other places. Um, on my website, you can find plenty of information to get started without having to take any kind of a workshop. Um, I would definitely recommend my book, Wild Fermentation. Uh, my my website is wildfermentation.com, and um, I am uh, deep into another book about uh, uh, about fermented foods. Um, so hopefully, uh, a year from now, um, I will have another. Um um, more uh, more thorough, more in-depth book about fermentation that I can recommend. But uh, um, so far, that's uh, just in manuscript form, and it doesn't even really have a, a, a title that I'm ready to um, say out loud.
1: <laughs> well, I just can't wait for it to read more, Sandor. Um, he also wrote a book called the, the Revolution Will Not Be Microwaved, very much worthy of checking out. Um, that's also available at Chelsea Green, which is a really amazing, as you, as you I'm sure all know, really amazing publisher out of Vermont that makes a lot of titles that are relevant to young farmers and to their um, to the larger community. Um, Sandor, thank you so much for being on the radio today and uh, for doing what you do. It's always so wonderful to hear from you and to know that you keep bubbling up with truckloads of turnips.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Severin, and uh, and thanks to you for all that you do.
1: Um, so thank you for being here with us again on Heritage Radio Network for get another episode of Greenhorns Radio, Radio for Young Farmers by Young Farmers from hills and plains of, of America. Bye bye. <laughs>
2: i